you know, sometimes, well, maybe often, we find ourselves in need of a tool. And that's kind of what I want us to talk about a little bit today, talking about the Bible. The title of my message today is, Throw a Glass Darkly. But before we open the Lord's Word, can we have another word of prayer? Loving Father in heaven, thank you for your blessings towards us. Thank you for your word, your special gift to us, your special message to us. Lord, help us as we open your word to rightly divide the word of truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> for now we see through a glass, but darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. I think most of you have grown up in church, like I did, so maybe you can't relate so much to this problem as maybe some others do, but have you ever found, when you pick up the Bible, have you ever felt a little bit like me out on a picnic trying to open up this tin can, but without the right tools? Have you ever had that experience? I know from time to time when I open up the Bible, I, I kind of feel like that. And I'm kind of like, how do I get it open, right? And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Not that we can't open the pages of the Bible. I think we can all turn the pages in a book. Can we actually understand the words that we're reading? Can we actually understand the message God has for us in his word? And if not, what can we do to better understand that word? To give it another example, I'd like some popcorn. That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? A little bit of fruit and popcorn? Well, there you go. There's some fruit, there's some popcorn right there. Only, <laughs> it doesn't look very edible, does it? <laughs> I think we need a few more tools. Not just a can opener, maybe a popcorn popper. We need some tools, and I think the same goes for the Bible. We talk about the Bible, and we say we believe the Bible, and we do believe the Bible. We have this motto, the Bible and the Bible only. But yet, maybe because of this motto, maybe because of our culture, I don't know if you're like me, but so often I've felt like when I open the Bible, I can't do like the same that I would do when I prepare supper. I need to take the Bible by itself and I neglect tools that may be available. Or maybe I just haven't even known about. I'm constantly learning about other tools that are available to study the Bible. And that's what I want us to talk about for a few minutes. A few of the tools that I have found in my Bible study to make the Bible come alive. To make it real. To be able to open up these words in a way that we couldn't if we just had nothing but the printed word and nothing else. Now it is true. I want to start and preface what I'm saying with this. The most important tool in Bible study is something that every one of us have, is prayer. That's why before I even opened the word just now, we bowed our heads in prayer. And with just a word of prayer to the divine author, the one who, who inspired these words to be written, God can speak into our hearts through his word what we need to hear for salvation. 
And it is true. We do not need anything beyond that for salvation. We do not need anything beyond that. God can speak through his word. And yet, God gives us many gifts. Just a basic understanding of salvation. Well, that's a fundamental aspect of what we need to learn from the Bible. It's not enough. God could have probably given that to us in just a few verses. But yet, he gave us this whole Bible. Stories, histories of people who have had encounters with God. And he has given to us today tools that we can use to open up and give color and meaning to the passages that we have grown up hearing. Now we see through a glass, but darkly. But then, face to face. I want to share with you some of my tools, and I don't want this to sound like a sales pitch. So I'm going to start with some simple ones. A pen and a notebook or some paper. When I write, I don't have good handwriting. It takes a long time to write longhand, so I tend to type on the computer when I write. But you can't remember everything. When you study the Bible, get out your pen, or if you're like me, you like to type, get out your computer or your little tablet, and write down the things that you have learned so that when you go into new experiences, you can go back and look at those things that you have written down, things that you have studied before, and you can remember that time when God spoke to you and said, my son, my daughter, this is who I am. And even in those dark times when we don't feel that close to God, If you have that journal, that record of what God has spoken to you in the past, you can go back and by faith trust God is still with me today, just as he was a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, when I wrote that down. It's powerful. It is powerful, friends. Write down the things that God has given to you. Let me just pull out some things here. That's why I pulled out this table. (laughs) One more. I think probably the first tool that I want to talk about in this tool bag is this right here, a study Bible. Not just any Bible, but as you can see in the picture here on the screen, this isn't actually the Bible I have in my hand. This is another one that I study with, study from frequently. A good study Bible has, beside the words in the text, often, some type, often many different types of helps, of references. In this one, for example, you can see the uh, cross-references and translator's notes. Almost every verse has some kind of note in the margin that gives you a little bit of better understanding about the verse that you're reading. This is probably one of the first tools that I like to talk about. To go to another tool, here's an interesting one. This is a study Bible. but It's what we call a side-by-side Bible. This Bible has two different translations, in this case, the King James Version and the New International Version. You can get a side-by-side Bible in almost any combination of translations. And we talked about, a few weeks ago, the history of the Word, the story of the Word. And we actually had a series where we went through week by week and shared about how God has preserved His Word through the ages, and it's been translated into the English language. But the words that you have in your King James Bible, those aren't the literal words that were written down by the Bible authors. Those were written in Hebrew and written in Greek, some in Aramaic. And what we have today that you and I can understand, I can't understand Greek or Hebrew, but we have translations. So often it helps us a lot to compare two or more different translations. 
At home, I have probably three, four, five different translations, some of them on the computer, that I like to compare if I'm really digging deep and studying into a, a passage. Because a lot of times the translation can add nuances of meaning, some of which may not have been in the original. Sometimes it can be more obscure in one translation, but a different translation makes it crystal clear. So, something like a side-by-side Bible. Here's another tool. And as I, as I talk about these tools, I'll tell you what, I will just start passing them around, and if you want to see it, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll have class. I don't mind if you want to talk and be interactive as well. You know what this is. A dictionary. This is actually a really helpful tool. Not all of us have a 50,000-word vocabulary. <laughs> there are a lot of words in the Bible that we don't use in our everyday language today, especially if you, you, if you read from the King James Bible. There are also words that have changed in meaning from the time that the Bible was translated until our day. There are words that we don't use in church or even good Christians use that are found in the King James Bible, and sometimes it brings a little bit of embarrassment to read those verses in church, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But those words didn't mean back then what they mean today. So a good dictionary. This is, in fact, the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary. So if you're studying an old Bible translation like the King James, you don't want to necessarily look up the word in the 2016 American Heritage Dictionary. You want to go back as far back as we can. Noah Webster was probably the, one of the first and one of the greatest English dictionaries um, that we have. Granted, even this is over 200 years after the translation of the 1611 King James Version. So even this is not directly uh, correlated with, this, with the King James Version. Noah Webster himself made an updated King James Version. You can find, sometimes you can find a copy of Webster's Bible. Here, I'll, I'll pass the dictionary over here. That is, that is quite a reference work, by the way. Very fascinating. If you look up in that dictionary, and, and Jim, you can look that up if you want, but if you look up from our verse, the word glass. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now, if I tell you that I am looking through a glass, what do you think about? Maybe glasses? Maybe a telescope? Or, or something like that. Those are different meanings that we have of the English word glass, like a scope or a looking glass. But if you look it up in the dictionary, you'll find all those different meanings that I just gave to you. And also this meaning, it's under, under number three. You know how there's different definitions of a word? A glass, a mirror, or a looking glass. That is the meaning that we find in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. Now we look through a glass. It's not saying we're looking or spying through a glass. It's we're looking in a mirror. Now we're looking in a mirror. And if you look it up in a different translation, you'll find that as well. So that's something you can find from the uh, dictionary. But still, if you didn't know what meaning you're looking for, you would still be a little bit confused because of all the different definitions for the word glass. <laughs> There's also the word darkly. We can look that up in the dictionary. We don't use the word darkly very much. I don't, I don't hear that every day as a word in our vocabularies. Now we see through a glass Darkly, But here we have obscurely, dimly, blindly, uncertainly. 
And it gives an example there. So it helps us to understand kind of the meaning of the word that we don't really use that much anymore. Now here's another tool that I love. How many of you are familiar with the Strong's Concordance? Maybe I should ask how many of you are not familiar with the Strong's Concordance? Take a look at that book. I got two, two copies of it. Who else may not be familiar with this? Here, take a look at that. This, if you had nothing else with which to study the Bible, besides the Bible and one other book, I would submit to you that that one other book should be the Strong's Concordance. Now, this man, James Strong, he, he had to be a genius. His mind worked like a computer, okay? This was back in the 1800s. This is before the days when they had typewriters, much less computers. Well, maybe they had typewriters. But, but uh, anyway, he's writing this out. He went through the King James Bible. Every word in the Bible, every last word, a, am, the, doesn't matter. He wrote it down and wrote down the reference. And so you can look up the words like a dictionary. Look up the word glass in the Strong's Concordance. And you'll see an entry like this. I don't know how well you can see, but you see here references. On the left, you see glass. It says, see also glasses. Job 37.18. And as a molten-looking G. It always abbreviates for because it, otherwise they'd be printing glass a lot of times. So as a molten-looking glass. And then on the right, do you see that number on the right? There's a number there. What in the world does that number mean? 7209. And then we have 1 Corinthians 13.12. Now we see through a G darkly. G standing for glass. Again, now we see through a glass darkly. And it has this number over here on the right. 2072. There's actually three different sections in the Strong's Concordance. The first, the big section, is the concordance. In In the last part of the Strong's Concordance... There's two type, two different dictionaries. We call them lexicons. The first one is a lexicon or a dictionary of the Hebrew language. Okay? This is not an English dictionary. This is a Hebrew to English dictionary. Okay? And then the second one is a Greek to English dictionary. Every Hebrew word in the Old Testament is found in that Hebrew to English dictionary, lexicon. Every Greek word in the New Testament is found in this Greek lexicon, okay? Now, how many of you speak Greek? I can't raise my hand because I don't. I don't speak Greek. So what good is a Greek dictionary going to do us? It'll tell us the meaning, but how do we look up the word? With that number, okay? So you saw that number back there. When we looked up glass, it was 2072. So I'm going to look that up. And there you can see it on the screen. You see, they're all in numerical order. So if you can count, you can look up the word in Greek. And I can't read the Greek letters, but it transliterates it to English. Esoptron. Esoptron. I'm probably not saying that quite right. Okay. A mirror. See that on the second line? It's a mirror, a glass. So there, there you have it. Instead of being ambiguous. Well, was he talking about a telescope? Was he talking about glasses? What was he talking about? If you go back to the Greek, it's very clear. And you, can, you see how we did this in the Strong's Concordance. We went back to the Greek language. The word used in Greek only has one meaning, and that meaning is a mirror. Now, 
There's some other references. Well, we'll get to those in a minute. I'm going to get ahead of myself preaching here. I forget about our tools. It also gave us a reference here in that last dictionary to 2734. Oh, that's from a different, that's from a different verse. That was a different reference there. This one is to behold as in a glass. Or it's, a, it's kind of a different form of the same word. And we'll see that. I believe that one is in, in uh, James. We're getting some tools, aren't we? Can you see how you could use tools like these to open up God's Word in a way that with just our hands, maybe we couldn't do it with just our minds. Maybe we couldn't do this, but now we're getting a whole new perspective on God's Word. You can do this yourself. Go home this afternoon. If you have a strong concordance, open it up. Just look up some verses. You'll, have a, you'll come with a whole new meaning, a whole new, a whole new understanding of God's Word. Here's another tool. Now, how many of you have heard of this tool? The Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. This is a powerful tool. And if you don't have this tool, if you haven't heard of this tool, I strongly encourage you to avail yourself of something like this. Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. Now, how many of you have a Bible that has cross-references in it? Okay? Okay, you know what I'm talking about, cross-references. So if you look up 1 Corinthians 13... refers me over to Philippians and I can look up to Philippians and I can find other verses that relate on the same topic. Well, this book here is cross-references on steroids. Okay? This is cross-references like you wouldn't believe. And I'm going to open it up here on the screen for you to see. I looked up and this is, okay, this is key. This is in the order of the verses. So you go to Corinthians, you turn over to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, you find 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and you go down to until you find the number 12. And it looks like Greek, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, how would anyone make any sense out of this? It looks like just a whole bunch of gibberish with numbers. Okay, but you see 12. It says, we see. Now that's a couple of words from the King James verse, okay? We see, then in you, 12, 8. Now, that's numbers, 12, verse 8. So if you look up in your Bible, Numbers 12, verse 8, and I'm, I'm not going to do that now. For, well, yeah, let's look up Numbers 12, verse 8. Numbers 12, verse 8. Oh, yeah, that, that is the verse I, that I wanted to look up. Have a volunteer. Whoever has that verse, read it for me. The Holman edition. Not, speaking not in riddles. Speak to him face to face. The New King James says, even plainly, not in dark sayings. I'm speaking face to face. Now we see darkly, but then face to face. And you see how um, if you go down, you see darkly. It says GR. That means Greek in a riddle. Okay? So this is, in other words, now we are beholding, beholding Christ as it were in a mirror or, but in a mirror that's like a riddle. It's like, it's not clear. It's, it's a, not a clear image. But then, face to face. And what does it say here about Moses? It says that God spoke to Moses face to face. Okay? Then the next ver- jo- verse is Job thirty six twenty six. Then Job, okay, see the check mark there? Uh, that's going back to Job 37, verse 5. 
And the 2C, that's 2 Corinthians, because we're already in 2 Corinthians. 3.18. Okay, so you can go through. See how, how compacted this is. This is so... There's so many references. This is an entire Bible study. You could make an entire sermon. You know, you could make an entire sermon series, if you're going to speak in church, out of the information that's on this one page, and it's in a little square about that big in the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge, okay? This is the new and expanded Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. You can also find the original Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. It's not as big as this. It's, and the one that I usually study from is the, is the regular one. Now that I, I actually borrowed that last night from Chuck and Susan because I was preparing this and I wanted to, wanted to have some printed tools. Usually I use tools on the computer. Um, and after looking at this, I want to get a printed copy of this one because it's a lot better than the one that, that I can get on the computer. Just to kind of give you an idea of some of the wealth of tools that's out there. I passed around the Strong's Concordance, and I told you that it has the lexicon in the back. That's not the only concordance out there. There are many different concordances, and there are even more lexicons. This is another lexicon, okay? And if you look up, this one is by um, Wegram Green. This is the New Englishman's Greek Concordance and Lexicon. If you look up, it's keyed to the same numbers as the Strong's Concordance, but you look up those numbers, and it'll actually give you every verse in the Bible that uses that Hebrew or Greek word. It's a different kind of concordance, but it's also a very powerful tool to use. Also, it has the definitions of the words, just like the Strong's Concordance does. Now, I want to take just a minute and talk about some of the other tools that we tend to use more often. They're very, very uh, good tools, but we need to use them with, with care. One of those types of tools that I like to talk about it's what we call a commentary. Now, you all know what a commentary is, right? <laughs> Commentaries come in many different shapes and forms. A commentary is where a, a Bible scholar or maybe a group of Bible scholars get together and they study not just the English Bible, but the original Hebrew and Greek Bibles, and they write down, in, in essence, a kind of an interpretation or an exposition of what the Bible is saying here. Or many times they'll give you some kind of background information. Here's one that I brought. Uh, it's a type of commentary. It's called Manners and Customs of Bible Lands. Many of you, any of you seen this book? This is a, one of many, many different types of commentaries, but it gives you some insight into how people lived back in the Bible times so when we read some of these verses, for example, I don't know about this particular book, but I know when you look up this concept, this idea of uh, this verse here, now we see through a glass or a mirror darkly, it describes the type of mirrors that people would use back then. If I look at a mirror, and we've got a mirror here at the front of the church, you see almost a perfect reflection of yourself in that mirror. Well, a couple thousand years ago, People had mirrors, but they weren't glass with a glazing behind them the way we have mirrors. It was more of a, a polished piece of brass or a polished piece of metal. And if you look in it, you would see yourself. You could see yourself enough to comb your hair, but it, it would be kind of dim. It would be kind of like taking a, a pot from the kitchen and turning it upside down and looking 
you can see yourself in the back of the pot, right? Unless it's like mine, they're all scratched up a little bit. But but it's it's a, not a it's a distorted image. It's not a perfect image. We have this joke at work. Um, you know, when you're on a, on a bright day, you can see a reflection of yourself in the window. And we have one office, the main office, and across the street we have the the annex building. Well, when you walk out the door, the main office, you see a reflection of yourself in the annex building. But the door on the annex happens to be curved, kind of like this from top to bottom. So you look like you're like this wide and about this tall. And uh, everyone just kind of jokes like, don't look at yourself over there right in the, in the window. And then the joke went around somehow. I'm not sure how it got started. But, oh, yeah, but if Daniel has to look at himself that way, that way he looks normal. <laughs> I'm like, are you calling me skinny or what? <laughs> Thanks. But it's a distorted image that you see in the reflection. And that's what Paul is talking about here in this verse. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I want to talk about a, couple, a few commentaries, and I won't talk, spend a long time. Adam Clark uh, put together a commentary, very scholarly commentary. It goes into some of the original languages. Um, it's, these are old books. You can get them free on the internet. Um, Matthew Henry commentary is one of the big names back in the day, I mean, 150 years ago, commentaries. Um, Matthew Henry's commentary is much more devotional in nature. Um, It's not so much giving you the history and the etymologies of the words. It's trying to to give you an exposition and a life application of the the passage under question. Um, Schofield notes, now that's an interesting one. Um, you'll find a lot of Bibles that have included Schofield notes in the Bible. Schofield notes are a type of commentary. Now, I, I told you, commentaries we have to be careful with. And Schofield notes is just one example. And I'm not, I'm not blasting commentaries here, but the Schofield notes are coming from a perspective known as dispensationalism, okay? Futurism. So especially in the passages that deal with Bible prophecy, if you look up in the Schofield notes... Um, and probably true of most any commentaries that don't come from a Seventh-day Adventist perspective, but especially in the Schofield, you'll find uh, kind of this leaning towards this, what we call dispensationalism. God acts one way towards people in one time, and then God treats other people differently at different times. God saves people in the Old Testament by their works, and God saves people in the New Testament by grace, okay? That's not, that's oversimplification, okay? I'm if they would hear me say that, but, but yeah, that's the that's kind of the that's kind of the concept of dispensationalism. And along with that, you have a lot of futurism, which basically is saying that prophecies in Daniel and Revelation all pertain to a distant time in the future. They're not being fulfilled as we see through history. Okay, that's just an example. That you find that with any commentary, you open the commentary, you have to realize. I'm not reading the Word of God. I'm reading what other men have written about the Word of God. Go back to the Bible, and that's why I like being able to use the Strong's Concordance, even go back to the original language, and check. Did the commentator do a fair job in, in interpreting this passage, or are they way off base? Okay? And with all the tools, we can check that. Okay? Uh, the Geneva Bible, uh, now we're going way back, 500 years back, right? <laughs> Uh, the Geneva Bible um, included a lot of 
a Calvinist notes. And you can even today, you can, you can read John Calvin's notes. Excellent, excellent uh, commentary on many passages of the Bible. But as you know, John Calvin had beliefs, Calvinist beliefs, that um, not all Christians ascribe to today. As Seventh-day Adventists, we do not ascribe to what we call Calvinism in, a, in the sense of once saved, always saved, that kind of, that kind of uh, thing. But that's, that's the perspective he's coming from. And so when you recognize the perspective of these commentators, you don't throw out their entire work, but you realize this is where they're coming from. This is the bias that they come to this with. Uh, there is a Seventh-day Adventist Bible commentary. It was put together in the 60s. Um, a very, a very uh, well-done work. It's many volumes. I don't actually own the set. It's quite expensive to, to buy, and it's getting difficult to, to purchase it anymore. Uh, but very excellent work if you want to go into to the original meaning of the, of the texts. Um, another type of commentary... Uh, would be a work by Mrs. Ellen White, uh, The Conflict of the Ages series, uh, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, um, The Ministry of Healing. These are all commentary works, but they're not a verse-by-verse commentary. They're more of a devotional commentary. Mrs. White takes story by story, and she'll include verses and passages. It's as if she's writing a sermon or just writing the story, but it's also an excellent, excellent commentary. In fact, I recommend every one of you if you have not done this before, get a copy of Mrs. White's Conflict of the Ages. That's Patriarchs and Prophets, Prophets and Kings, Desire of Ages, Acts of the Apostles, and Great Controversy, as well as the other books I mentioned. Get a copy of those and read them from cover to cover, side by side with the Bible. You can read through the entire Bible and the entire Conflict of Ages series. It'll take you a while. You might not get through it in a year. You probably won't get through it in a year if you're doing justice to it, okay? But it's an experience like you will never, that you will never regret. And I have done it. Um, I, can, I, sh- I say I've done it more than once. I don't know that I've done it completely through more than once, but I know I've done many parts of it more than once. Just very briefly, you know I'm a, I'm a computer guru. I want to talk about some of the technology tools that we have available to us now for studying the Bible. And if you don't have some of these books, and now granted, these books are an investment to get, but maybe you have a smartphone, or maybe you have a computer, or maybe both. Here are some tools that you can get completely free that you can use to study the Bible. This, I happen to be a fan of Android phones. There's an app called And Bible. You can find it in the Play Store. It's a Bible. You can look up the verses. Here's When you go to select a verse, it just shows you all the books. And as soon as you touch the books, it's, you select the chapter and verse. It's very easy to look up the verses. When I, when I uh, open up a passage of the, of the Scripture, I can turn on an option here. And I, it's showing on the screen here where you see after each word, you see that number. That number is the same number that you would find in the Strong's Concordance, okay? Then I can touch that number, and it automatically gives me the Strong's lexicon definition of that word. So just in a matter of seconds, instead of paging through the books, I can find the, the Greek and Hebrew words right there on my phone in just, a, just an instant. You can do the same thing on an iPhone. There's apps. There's one called Pocket Sword that does exactly the same thing as this. Um, the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge, also 
is included. You can download it right here in the app. Okay, um, searching, searching for verses in the Bible. Um, if you and and I I kind of breezed over this when I was talking about the concordance. Okay, let's say I I remember a verse. It said something about a glass, like seeing through a glass darkly. Um, I think it said something about face to face. Okay. Well, I can look up in the Strong's Concordance, I can look up one of those words. Look up glass, I can look up face. In my app, I can type the entire phrase, face to face. Okay? And I can say, okay, I'm just going to search in the New Testament. I'm going to search for the phrase. And there I can see the four verses in the New Testament right there that have that term, face to face. Okay? And then I can touch on any of those verses and read the verse in its whole context. So it makes, it makes comparing and studying the Bible a whole lot faster and a whole lot easier. And I don't know about you, but I, can take, I take my phone wherever I go, so even if I'm at work or I just have a few minutes to look something up, I have my entire library, but I keep it here in my pocket. Okay? So that's, that's something that's really handy. If you happen to, to have a PC, there's a couple of programs that you can get. One is called eSword. How many of you heard of eSword? You can download this for free on the internet. It has every one of the same tools that we talked about. It has the commentary, it has the concordance, it has the lexicon, it has the dictionary, and it has the treasury of scripture knowledge, and many of the commentaries all built in right here on the eSword. Another one that I just found just recently is called STEP, Scripture Tools for Every Person. It's kind of like eSword. It runs a little differently. Um, I like it because you can show the different Bibles in parallel, and you can literally, with this tool, and I, I don't have time to show you all of how it works, but you can literally pull up the Greek Bible text, and using your mouse, you can hover the mouse over the Greek words, word by word, and you can read the Greek, even knowing nothing about Greek or Hebrew. Word by word. You, it's, it's incredible. I have never been able, and probably never will be able, to read the Hebrew language. But by using a computer program, you can go word by word, and you can read what that original Hebrew said. And just recently, I, I did a study in Hebrews, about, which is written in Greek, but about the uh, sanctuary, and where it says the holy place, he's entered in the most holy place. And some translations say holy place, and some translations say most holy place. I never could find an answer to that until I used this software and could look at the actual Greek text and and really discover what it, what it actually means. For now we see through a glass darkly. You know, sometimes when I open up the Bible, I get a picture of Jesus, but I feel like I'm just seeing just kind of a, a distorted reflection. Not, a, not distorted, that's not the right word. It's just not clear. I just long to see his face even more. If you turn to James chapter 1, verse 23, these verses I found, by the way, in the treasury of scripture knowledge. James chapter 1 and verse 23. For anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. 
But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, that one is blessed in what he does. When we look into the mirror, do we realize the kind of person that we are? Do we see in that mirror a picture of Jesus? Do we see in that mirror a reflection of ourselves that, in comparison to Christ, leads us to the foot of the cross? Or do we, like this man described in James, simply look and ignore it, go away? In, First Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 18, Paul expands on this thought that he begins in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. If you have that, you can read it. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What was that first phrase? We with unveiled faces seeing the reflection or it says in the New King James beholding as in a mirror the glory of God as we allow Christ to take those blinders off of our eyes as we look at we can't see the, we can't see God I can't look up there and see God Jesus, Jesus came to earth but he ascended back to heaven we can't see him but we can see him through his word, through the things that he has revealed, as beholding as in a mirror the glory of God. As we behold God in that mirror, we ourselves become, what does it say, transformed into that same image from glory to glory. And that is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. The context of that verse is the context of that love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am nothing. And that, that we, we call that the love chapter, but Paul is, is dealing with some real problems in the church, and he's presenting to the Corinthian believers this, this need of coming together and of coming to Christ, beholding Christ, and being changed into his image. And he's looking forward to that day when we will all be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Finally, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. I'm getting these all of the, out of the treasury of Scripture knowledge, by the way. Okay, so these are, these are all from the tools. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Pressing on, pressing on. Friends, does it seem sometimes that we behold Christ but dimly? When we look in the mirror, do we see only a broken reflection of ourselves, of what we ought to be? Does it seem as though Christ is so distant? Friends, there's coming a time. And if we, like Paul, strive, press on, we will one day behold him face to face. Now I know but in part. I don't know everything. I know very little. But soon, if we are faithful, we will know just as we are known. Friends, that is my prayer, that each one of us, as we avail ourselves of the tools that Christ has given to us, 
that we will come into that full knowledge of Jesus Christ. That we won't depend upon pastors or churches or radio programs or 3ABN or anything else to, to give us our spiritual food, but that we may dig in ourselves and behold clearly what God has revealed to us. That is my prayer for each one of you. And if that is your prayer, I want you to stand with me as we sing together hymn number 547, Be Thou My Vision.